Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast, where we want to know God, love people, and reach our world. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online by going to gracelife.church. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week and everywhere you go with the gracelife.church app. It's free and available wherever you download apps. Well, good afternoon, Grace Life. Give yourselves a round of applause. Tell you what, Jesus in the house, right? Come on, I, I got to tell you, I know it's 1230, but that was pitiful. Let's try that again. Give it up for Jesus. Can we do that? There we go. Okay, all right. Well, my name is uh, Judge Jordan, and let me just say this. I am uh, so thankful that you all allow me to be here with you and uh, Pastor Jimmy, a great friend, and also on our oversight team at Embark Church. If, if you don't know this, I am the pastor of Embark Church, and that is a church plant that is down in Orangeburg, South Carolina. We're a part of the network, and this is one of the reasons that I'm so excited to be with you guys today, is that I get to personally now say thank you. I don't know if you know this, but this church has financially contributed to spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ in the rural county of Orangeburg County. Amen? And I don't know if you know what your generosity looks like. You have given us $10,000 in order to help move into what is now going to be our permanent facility so that we make an impact for the kingdom of God in Orangeburg, South Carolina. Amen? There you go. Well, thank you for that. And, and well, first of all, does everybody know where Orangeburg is? Uh, some of you. Yeah, Orangeburg is between Columbia and between... Charleston, thank you. It took me a moment there uh, to recognize that. Yeah, we're about 45 minutes to almost an hour outside of here. Okay, with that said, we are in a sermon series uh, where we have been walking through the Psalms. I think for the last couple of weeks, you guys have been doing that. Today, I get the privilege of actually going through what is perhaps one of the best-known Psalms in all of the Bible. What do you think it is? Psalm 23. How many of you know it by heart? Well, most of you. I guarantee you this. You cannot be around church for any period of time without experiencing and beginning to hear at least once in your life Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. There you go. Okay, well, do me a favor. Pull out your iPhone, your iPad, your Android, your announcement sheet, your Bible, whatever you've got to do. Do me a favor and get in front of the scripture, Psalm 23, that we're going to today. Because here's the thing. We're going to be going through this, and we're going to be looking at some of the words and some of the verbs and some of the phrases that are in this psalm that tell us a little bit more about who we are, who God is, and how we as a people of God, are called to approach the creator of the universe, our creator. Amen? All right, so pull out Psalm 23, and let me just say this. As you're making your way to that, let me introduce this psalm by just uh, introducing a, a more myself a little bit and um, telling you a story from my past. Uh, a couple of years ago, actually many years ago, I graduated from the Citadel, which is located down in Charleston, South Carolina. And upon graduating from there, I immediately found myself commissioned as a United States Army officer. The first entrance rank that you get in that is a brand new second lieutenant. And the thing about a second lieutenant is they literally have about five minutes of experience within the United States Army. 
And I find myself graduating and commissioned as an armor officer, which means this. I got the privilege to be able to play with tanks. And shortly thereafter of having graduated, I found myself stationed at Fort Hood, Texas, and quickly within three months sitting over in Kuwait. Now, this was before 9-11, and we went into Iraq, and it was after the Gulf War. And so part of our mission back then was to operate on the border of Kuwait and Iraq because Saddam Hussein, at that time who was still in power, would often drive his tanks like he was going to drive over into Kuwait. And, of course, he'd get everybody spun up, and then we'd have to pull back and all that kind of stuff. He, he never did that. So our mission was actually to sit there and just to make sure he did not come across the border. And I remember it was one dark night, and I don't know if you've ever been in the desert, but uh, the thing about the desert is it gets, when, when I say pitch black dark, it gets pitch black dark. You have to literally, if you're in the middle of the desert, tie a rope to you and your tank, because if you get off about 10 feet, you'll walk right by your tank and not even realize it and get lost in the desert. Don't want that. All right. Anyway, one night we were uh, uh, on a mission, and uh, my commander called me. Uh, to him, and he said, all right, Judd, I've got, I've got something I want you to do. There's another base that is operating about 30 minutes away from us. I want you to take you and your wingman, one of your other tanks, I want you to take some supplies over there. And so as we prepared to do that, he asked me to pull out my map, and we pulled out my map, and he said, all right, tell me where you are. I said, I'm right here, sir. And he said, tell me where you're going. I'm right over here. I'm going over here. And he was like, okay, do you know how you get there? And I said, yes, sir, I can see exactly how I get there. But as I'm looking at the map, sir, I, I can see this. I think I can get there in 20 minutes. And he looked at me and he said, listen to me, <laughs> take the route. Don't try to take the shortcut. Take the route. You, the last thing you want to do is get lost in the middle of the desert in two tanks. And so I was like, okay, all right, yes, sir, I got you. I'll, I'll do that. So we loaded up our tanks. It was about 9 o'clock at night, pitch black dark. We get in the tanks, and as we start moving out forward, we start traveling five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. We got to about minute 20, and I called my uh, wingman, and I said, hey, you know what? We can make it there in 20 minutes. And he said, don't do it, sir. Don't do it. And I said, we can do this. And he said, I said hey, you got my back? And he was like, all right, well, I don't have a choice. I've got your back, so we're, you're going to take me along with you. Yeah, that's it. So I was like, let's take the shortcut. We took the shortcut. 30 minutes. I looked around. Where's the base? 35 minutes, 45 minutes, 50 minutes, 55 minutes. We get to about hour 60. And this is where I had to come to the full realization and climb off of my tank and pull my wingman beside me. And I said, okay, here's the deal. I think right now we have to finally admit to ourselves. And he says, well, you need to admit it. I already knew it. But here's the deal. I think we have temporarily lost our present surroundings. He's like, sir, we're lost. And I was like, well, okay, we're lost. But in the distance, this is what we begin to see. I begin to see some blinking red lights. So he said, all right, well, somebody put lights out there, so there's got to be something out there. So we climb back into our tanks, start making our way off to it. And as we made our way off to it, we traveled another five minutes, another 10 minutes. And after about 15 minutes, we got to the blinking red lights. They were coffee can-sized things, and we continued on past them. And shortly thereafter, about five minutes after that, that's when it all came down. 
Suddenly, there was a bright light that shone down on us. I mean, it filled the cabin of our tank. We didn't know what was going on. And all we heard from the outside was, stop, 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 two tanks, halt, stop, stop, stop. I mean, the light was all filled within us. I was a new Christian at this point, so I'm like, oh, Jesus is coming back. He's coming from this. My buddy, my loader over here, he wasn't a Christian. He's like, the aliens are coming to get us, and all this other kind of stuff. And so finally, after we calmed down and we realized that we were not burning our own fire, or anything, this nice little truck pulls up, a Humvee, and outside of it steps out this gentleman. Now, how many of you are familiar with the Army? Who's been in the Army, the Air Force, any of it, right? Okay, here's the deal. When that guy got out, he had this nice little eagle that's on his hat. Yeah, who is right? That, that dude is one short of a general. He is a Fulberg colonel, and that's a pretty senior officer. And there I is. He just kind of looks up to me, and he kind of motions me to come out of the tank. And so I was like, oh, brother, here we go. Pop the hatch, and I start to get up, and I put on my hat, and he looks at me, and he sees that butter bar, that second lieutenant butter bar. And he said this. He actually said a prayer. Oh, God, I knew it. He invites me to casually down to have a very spirited conversation with him down beside his truck where he used words that we are not allowed to use in church on things like that and told me some places and get, outlined all of my character flaws in all less than five minutes. It was quite impressive. I just kind of looked at him and he said, do you actually know what you are about to do? And I looked at him and I realized this. We were on the border of Iraq and Kuwait, and I was about to single-handedly invade the sovereign nation of Iraq with two M1A1 Abram tanks and take over the country. I looked at him and I said, if you let me go, I'll win it. Now here's the thing. He looked at me and he said, Lieutenant, do you actually understand what's going on here? And I said... Yes, sir, I think I do. And he said, listen, I know this. I know there are some people in your platoon and there's some people in your outfit that know better than you and have more experience than you. And I know they gave you directions. Why didn't you listen to them? And I said, sir, I have no excuse. The truth is, is I wanted to impress my commander. I took the shortcut. I impressed him all right. But I didn't lead well that day. I didn't lead myself well that day. I didn't lead my crew well that day. And I didn't lead my wingman that day. I made a mess of it because here's why. And you know why. What did I do? I took the I wanted to lead my own way instead of listening to some of the experience and some of the the knowledge that those who were before me understood and had. I did it my way, and it didn't end up well. Here's the thing about this, this psalm that we are about to go into. Psalm 23, one of the most famous and one of the most well-known psalms in all of the Bible, is all about this. It's about recognizing that when we go and do it our way, we make it a mess. But when we learn to operate and let God lead us, what happens? 
it all goes well. You know the psalm almost by heart. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He brings me beside the waters. He restores my soul, all of that. We'll read the psalm here in just a minute. You'll, you'll see all of that. But this entire psalm is all about God's provision, God's protection, and God's leading of the people of God. It's about God being present in our lives and us recognizing upon the total dependence of God of which we must throw ourselves. It's about understanding that God knows better. Now here's the thing. You're in here today, whether you claim it or not. There's a reason you came to church today. Deep down in the recesses of your heart, there is something inside of you that says that I want to be led more by God than my own self. It's why you're here. You want to learn about, you want to approach. It's the reason that we come and we worship because for some of us, we recognize that God is leading us. And for others, we so desperately want to begin to even more deeper move into that leadership of God, of being the captain of our souls and our lives. This psalm is a confession. It's not a prayer that we are asking God to make true in our lives. It's not something that we wish for. It's a confession written by David, and you know David. David was that guy where his life wasn't all rosy. He had to run from Saul, who was trying to kill him, the king before him, he had an affair and a child out of wedlock. The child died. There is nothing more egregious than having a child die on you. So his life wasn't rosy, but there was still something about his life and God in the midst of it that allowed him to say this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. This is my hope and my prayer today, that we begin entering into the process of where that psalm is not just wishful thinking for any of us, but it begins to become a confession that we stand on, that we build on, that we work on, that we move on to experience the goodness that God has for you and has for me. Amen? You want to do that? Psalm 23, pull it out. God says... David writes, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Pray with me.
Father, we come before you right now. A people of God that understand and know in our heads that to be led by you is to be is better than to be led by us. But Father, we admit this too. That sometimes that longest movement that happens in a soul is from the head to the heart. So Father, I pray this. I ask that through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit that is present within us, Father, I pray this, write this on our hearts. Let us stand on it. Let it become a reality. Lord, Father, make this into something that we live. Father, we just ask for that supernatural work to happen right now in this moment. We pray this in your name, in Jesus Christ, and all God's children said, amen. Go back in front of that psalm. I wanna, I wanna show you a couple of things. When we look at this psalm, it's really broken down into three parts. You can break it down into verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. You've got verses 2 through 5, and then you have got verse 6, which is the response that happens to us when we live out verse 1 and verses 2 through 5. I want to spend some time for just a minute between verses 2 through 5, and I want you to see, I want you to just see some of the verbs that David uses and some of the phrases that he uses because it tells us very clearly about our relationship to God, what God wants for us, and how we are called to approach and interact with God. Watch this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Look at this. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads what? Beside still waters. He restores my, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with your rod and your staff. They comfort, you prepare a table before in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will be with me forever and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Did you see that? Do you see all those phrases? One of the biggest things and one of the biggest takeaways that we see from this psalm about being led by God is that it is all about this. God will provide provision, protection, and leadership to his children, leading them into places and spaces that they would not normally go on their own. And I want you to notice this. In no way, shape, or form did Jesus, or I'm sorry, did God ever in this say, I wonder what you think about it. What do you see? You just see this. You see God says, I will what? Make you lie down in green pastures. I will what? Lead you into good water. I will restore your soul. 
the beautiful part of this psalm and what is being put forth here is this. That God works on the behalf of his children despite them. God works on the behalf of the people of God, of the ones that he has implanted the Holy Spirit inside of them and brought them to the faith. God works in the soul of his people whether they like it or not whether they deserve it or not, whether they ask for it or not, whether they acknowledge it or not, whether they embrace it or not. The goodness of God is one in which God, the creator of the universe, gives you the faith and says, whether you like it or not, I'm not even asking you, I'm going to lead you to the green pastures, to the good water. And I want you to notice Notice this. Notice what's not in the psalm. Go back to it. Notice that in no way, shape, or form is there any conditional clause. There's no if-then clause. It doesn't say this. If you do the right things, I will make you lie down in green pastures. It doesn't say if you go to church more, I'll lead you beside the still waters. It doesn't say if you pray more. I'll restore your soul. If you go to church more, if you do your small group, if you pray more, if you live, live for me more, if you read your Bible more, it doesn't have any of that in there. All it says is this, I will make you lie down in green pastures. Amen? Well, let me tell you. Some of us need to hear that today, don't we? Because how many of us get so sideways? Brandon said it as he was doing communion earlier. How many of us get so sideways because we believe that God's goodness is somehow dependent or conditional upon what we do? And let me tell you, Jesus Christ wants, whoo, Jesus Christ wants to be. He wants to be in the dirt and in the mud of our lives. He wants to get into the real places. You know the real places that I'm talking about. The places that you pray to Jesus Christ never come to life and nobody else sees or knows. Yes? That's the place. Listen to me. That's my God. That's the shepherd. That he wants to get into the ugly and lead us independent of us. Now, if that's going to happen, if we with confidence are going to be able to even claim as a confession like David did, that he makes us lie down, he leads us, he restores us, he prepares a table, he anoints our heads, surely mercy and goodness will follow us all the days of our lives. If we are going to be a people of God that are actually able to claim the benefits that God so desperately wants to lead us into, there's an activator to that. There's a clincher. There's a way to approach that and to begin to walk into that even more. That's in this psalm too. You want to know what it is? <laughs> Go to verse 1. I've memorized it. The Lord is my 
shepherd. Period. Years ago, I, uh, about two or three years ago, uh, when we were really getting into the throngs and the thrust of planting the church down in Orangeburg, I remember sitting down, and, and my daily routine is this. Usually about 6 o'clock in the morning, I'm upstairs in my room. I've got uh, a devotional and a prayer time that I do, and I sit down and I read Scripture. And when I do that and go into my prayer time with just me and God, I always start with a psalm. I then walk into some of the other scriptures that we are going into. And I remember this, uh, it was burned into my memory. It was one particular day where I actually sat down and I had no intention of going to Psalm 23. It was one of those days where I just took the Bible and I went, you ever done that before? And just dropped it. Most of the time you get into Ezekiel and holy cow, who can understand some of that stuff? Need a theology degree. I got one. But here's the deal. You know where it plopped into? Psalm 23, and I, I, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I looked at that, and I was like, I don't want to go to Psalm 23, Jesus. This is, I, I got to tell you, I've read it a million times. You're not going to give me anything out of it. I'm bored. I'm going to go to another psalm. But something just told me, stay in Psalm 23, and I went right like this. It went like this. The Lord is my shepherd. And I don't think that I have ever heard God speak more clearly in the deepest parts of my heart heart and this is what I literally heard from him am I mm, it's right <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd am I the key to walking in and seeing and being led into the green pastures and everything all the benefits that comes in verses 2 through 5 it always starts with this it starts with approaching and embracing the shepherd sheep model. One of the greatest uh, biblical illustrations used to describe humanity, especially the children of God, what is it? It's sheep. We are referred, there are more times in the Bible where we are referred to as sheep. And I hate to tell you this, guys, most of you know this. We're smarter than sheep, but not by much, I'm convinced of that. Sheep are, here's the thing about sheep. Sheep are creatures that are wholly and totally dependent upon an outside agency. And let me tell you, I know this firsthand because I live in Orangeburg, South Carolina. We got farms, we got sheep, we got cows, we got horses, we got all kinds of other stuff. But a sheep, I, a sheep just ain't the sharpest tool in the shed. A sheep is not the lion of the animal kingdom that lives on a farmland. Here's the thing about a sheep. A sheep is totally and wholly dependent upon the shepherd just to get by and live. A sheep, here's the thing. A sheep needs a shepherd because if they don't, their wool will grow out so much that if they don't get sheared by the shepherd, you know what will happen? They won't be able to move. They'll fall down and die, or this, it'll grow so much that they get caught in a thicket as they're moving around, and as soon as that happens, what do you think happens? There's always a wolf that is laying in the tall grass out there, watching keenly, waiting for that sheep to get into a place, and bam, he's got him, takes him out. And here's the thing about a sheep, it's totally defenseless. There's nothing, there is no self-protective measure whatsoever with a sheep. They literally do this, roll down on their side and kick with their hooves. It don't work. But the thing about a sheep is, a sheep's got tunnel vision. 
Maybe you know some of these people. A sheep will be in the middle of a herd and in the middle of its green grass, and it'll see, oh, there's some other green grass, and it'll be in the protection of the herd, and it'll see some grass, and it'll just start lifting, ooh, I'll get some of this, and oh, there's some more over here, and I'll move over here. And here's the thing about a sheep. It doesn't have bright, it doesn't have good eyesight. It will literally get lost within eyeshot of its own herd. And I don't know if you know about this. Sheep like to do three things, eat, sleep, procreate. After they eat and after they get watered, the biggest thing they want to do is sleep. Get this. Sheep won't go to sleep if they are emotionally or mentally stressed. You know anybody like that? Who in this room is lying? <laughs> How many of us have lost sleep because of anxiety, pain, heartache, whatever it is? A sheep needs a shepherd. Now, back then when this was written, this wasn't, they didn't have big grape farms like we've got now, and they didn't have fences that kept the sheep penned in. This was an agrarian and a nomadic culture, which means this, the shepherd would literally put his hundred to sheep together. And you've heard that story that Jesus has used about leaving the 99 to go find the one. And he would put all of the sheep together and they'd take their shepherd's crook and their little club and on, they'd pat them on the hindquarters to get them moving in a particular direction, leading them to the green grass and leading them to the water. And then after they lied down to go to sleep, he'd take their club and if a wolf came by, you know what he's going to do? He's going to beat and protect the sheep from the wolf. If the sheep falls over and hurts himself, the shepherd is going to tend to him. And if the sheep gets lost, as we see in Jesus, they go find him. But here's the one defensive mechanism that the sheep does have. They know the shepherd's voice. They have to. Because nobody's going to watch out for that sheep but that shepherd. And they learn that shepherd's voice. And it is one of the reasons that Jesus Christ says this. My sheep know my voice. And come when I call them because they know I will provide provision, protection, and lead them into good places where they would not be able to lead themselves. Amen? I am convinced of this. I, I, I am absolutely confident when I say this, that I believe that one of the greatest places of where God wants his people to grow is an understanding that they are totally, wholly, and utterly dependent upon him for their provision, their protection, and being led. One of my mentors, you may know him, Jerry Daly, for some of you old-timers here at Grace Life, Jerry Daly actually planted Grace Life Church and Jimmy and selected Jimmy to take over. And Jimmy has done a phenomenal job in growing this church into a place of where you are making an incredible impact for the kingdom of God in people's lives in Northeast Columbia. Jerry taught me long ago, he said this. I remember calling him up probably about a year or two ago, and I said, Jerry, what's God teaching you? And he said this. He said, God's teaching me to be an infant not something you hear a 70-some-year-old man say every day. And I was like, well, what does that mean? And he said this, God is teaching me to approach him as an infant would to their parent. 
that an infant is wholly and totally depends on their parents for food, nurture, comfort, changing the diaper, living, everything in their life. And if the parent doesn't do it for the infant, the infant what? Dies. Dies. I'm convinced of this. The key to success in Christian life and the key to growing deeper with Christ is admitting and acknowledging I'm a sheep. When I go my own way and take the shortcut, I get lost. And I need God the Father to lead me. Let me walk you into that. Bear with me. I've got three things that I want to write these down. And I'll tell you what. If you take these with you, this will help you. See God Almighty as the divine shepherd and us as the sheep. Do not leave this place without understanding just the leadership of God. I want to give you three quick things that help us embrace what it means to see the Lord as our shepherd. Let's throw them up. These are the three things. Recognize, acknowledge, and embrace. If you want to change the order and make some fancy acronym like R or ear, knock yourself out. It doesn't really matter what order these things go in, just do them. Here's the thing, recognize. Recognize is this. To understand that the Lord, when, when David wrote this psalm, he is reporting God's action in his life and is able to say this because he has experienced God in his life, leading him into good places. But here's how he did it. He had to first recognize, meaning look to the past of his life into the places of where he saw God moving and working. I'm going to ask you to do something absolutely crazy this week. You ready? Spend some time with Jesus, but ask him when you do, God, what are the concrete places where I have experienced you moving and working in my life. The best way to be able to say that I shall not want is to look in the past and to see exactly the places where God has moved and worked and stood up in our life. The best place to see God's action, rearview mirror. Ask him. Ask him to show that. Sit down and let God write you a letter through the Holy Spirit in you and just ask God, God, show me the places. And if you need help in that, let me give you two quick places right now where you have experienced Jesus Christ in your life. The first one's this, you came to the faith. Through the power of the, you, we are so dead in sin and our transgression that outside of the Holy Spirit breaking into a radically self-absorbed life, there is no way that we would ever be able to come to the faith and say, Jesus Christ, you are my Lord and Savior. But because of God's leading and action in our lives, the giving of the Holy Spirit to us and giving you the faith, it gives us the ability to say, yes, Jesus, you're my Lord and Savior. And that is the greatest way that you have witnessed him in your life. But not only that, here's another way. 
you're here. You wouldn't be sitting in church, raising your hands, worshiping at 1230 in the afternoon, going to your small group, doing, reading your Bibles, going to prayer times. You would not be moving and working with God, wanting more of him in your life, if, through the power of the Holy Spirit, he has not drawn you to him. Get this. God's already started leading you. Let's walk into more. Amen? You stand in the gap. He's already started leading. Walk into more. Look to the past. Recognize. Next one. Acknowledge. It's time to gut up. When we say acknowledge, it means this, that we've got to sit before God and we have got to ask the hard questions. And the hard question is this. The Lord is my shepherd. Am I? The place of growth is getting a good, solid realization of where we actually are. And we've, listen, some of us are captains of our industry in here. We've done well for ourselves. We have thrived. But here's the thing. It is possible to thrive in this and still miss God as the divine shepherd and never be led into the truly green grass that he honestly wants to take us. Amen? And don't fool yourselves. Let's not get fooled because I've done this before. Here's the greatest fool there is. Falling in love with more of the idea of God being our shepherd than actually allowing him to be our shepherd. Stand before God and acknowledge. Where are you? And rest in the fact of this. Even if the answer to that question is no, he will still lead you. Third thing, recognize, look to the past, acknowledge, stand in the present, embrace, look to the future, recognize, past, acknowledge, present, embrace, look to the future. Embrace means this, to throw our arms around, to draw in, to make one, to bring it close to us, to grab it, to ascertain it, to make it ours. Embrace this. Embrace the fact that the Lord is your shepherd. Whether you can see it, understand it, acknowledge it, whatever it. Today, make the choice, and it always begins with a choice of saying that today I am going to embrace and reach out as best as I can to see God as my shepherd. Because I've embraced this, I can actually definitively say this. When I read this word, the Lord is my shepherd, I can tell you this. I do not believe the Lord is my shepherd. I know it. Years ago when my car broke down, I went to a member in our congregation. I said, hey man, do me a favor. I need a good mechanic. Everybody needs a good mechanic. And I went to him and I said, I need somebody who's going to fix my car right. They're going to give me a good price and we can develop a relationship with them. And he said, I got the guy for you. I want you to go to Raleigh Motor Company. And so I said, okay, I'm going to take my car there. So based on his recommendation and believing in him, I took his recommendation and I went to that mechanic. And you know what happened? They gave me a good price. They did it right the first time. We developed a relationship. 
When my car broke down again, you know what happened? What did I do? I took it back to Raleigh Motor Company. And here's what happened. I got a good price. He fixed it right the first time. We developed and deepened the relationship. And when my car broke down, what did I do the next time? I took it back to Raleigh Motor Company. You know why? Because here's the thing. I know they're good mechanics. Now, when I started, I believed my friend. I made a choice to go with his recommendation. But because I'd made that choice and followed him into that, I now know they're a good mechanic. You know where I'm going. And your response time today is you're praying. Choose. I don't care where you are spiritually. You may be seeking, you may be growing, you may be mature in Christ, but there is always another level of depth of seeing God as our divine shepherd. Choose today, no matter where you are, today, God. I want to experience you as my divine shepherd. I'm a sheep. And I want to experience you matter what happens, whether you walk into it well or not, Jesus Christ still died for you. He still gave you the Holy Spirit. He still is calling you. And whether you like it or not, independent of all the dumb things that we sheep do and independent of when we lead ourselves astray. is my shepherd. I shall not want. Pray with me. Father, I pray right now through your spirit that is in us, that is in me, that is in this church, that binds us together as one. Jesus, I pray, I implore you, Jesus, please, through your spirit, help. Father, let us experience you as the divine shepherd, one who cares for, who nurtures, who grows, who moves. Father, write this in my heart. And ask him, right now, ask him. Now for those who can feel the divine shepherd knocking on the door of your heart and you have not walked through it, but you feel it, desire it. You want it. You pray this. Jesus, I'm a sinner. I don't fully understand or can't comprehend what that means, but God, I know this. I want to live my life differently and I choose you. I hear you. I feel you. I see you. I sense you knocking on the door of my heart. And Jesus, I open it to you now. And I want to be what's called a believer of Jesus Christ. I choose you. When 
whether I know it now or not, Jesus, I choose you. We pray this in your name, in Jesus Christ, and all God's children said. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. If you've made the decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's the best decision you'll ever make. If you've been impacted in any way, we'd love to hear about it. Head over to gracelife.church resources where you can share your story and find other tools for following Jesus. We hope you go out and make Jesus famous in your world.